That familiar werewolf cry reminds us that it's Halloween week, and today's interview is with an author of a new book on plants with striking, mysterious, sinister, and strange black flowers. Also, on one of the coldest nights of the year, I made my root stew, and I'm going to post that recipe on the radio website, but also tell you how to make it today on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show, right after these messages. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Underwriting also provided by PlantSkid, deer and rabbit repellent, the first repellent to be listed organic by the Organic Materials Review Institute. PlantSkid is Swedish for plant protection and now comes with a plant protection guarantee. For details, www.plantskid.com, P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Hello again and welcome, it's Ken Drews and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. I'm here every week, every Friday we premiere a new show, and you can go to realdirtradio.com to download the show. You can subscribe to iTunes and get the podcast that way. You might be listening in your car right now on the radio, and I'm going to talk about a recipe later, but don't worry because the recipe will be posted on realdirtradio.com in every detail. Well, today I'm going to talk a little bit about Halloween. And I'm going to have a guest who is the author of Black Plants. His name is Paul Bonine. He owns, co-owns a, a nursery in Portland, Oregon called Zera Plants. X-E-R-A-P-L-A-N-T-S. Zera Plants. And their website is zeraplants.com. It's a wholesale nursery. You can't buy from them, but it's a great website with lots of things to see. And I'm always trying to think of different ways to get kids involved in gardening, kids outdoors, and believe me, black plants, that's a way to do it. Some of the black plants have black flowers. Some of them have black stems, black leaves. There are evergreen shrubs. There are lots of plants in this little book called Black Plants, 75 Striking Choices for the Garden. If you hear any uh, purring or trilling in the background, that's Boy, the cat, who's just jumped up on my lap. Thank you, Boy. And I have to apologize also because uh, we have to call Paul with a cell phone. He's got a cell phone. And you know, sometimes the sound isn't so great with the cell phone, but our landline option wasn't working. So I'm just hoping that it's okay and that it sounds good enough to hear and that you will learn more about plants with black flowers. I'm also going to talk about root stew and uh, give that recipe, and the recipe itself will be on the website, realdirtradio.com. But uh, think about growing some really weird plants, because that's, that is the way to get kids really involved, to have those those strange and beautiful and remarkable plants. I think they're all remarkable, but you know me, right? But black plants, certainly incredible. I'm speaking with Paul Bonine, who is the co-owner of the Wholesale Oregon Nursery Zero Plants and the author of the new book, Black Plants, 75 Striking Choices for the Garden. Hello, Paul. 
Hello, again. Hi. I want to know, first of all, what inspired you to write this book? Um, well, I've always been interested in um, in plants that were um, unusual colors. In our nursery, we grow a lot of plants that are um, have gold foliage, and recently we've grown a lot of plants that have black foliage, so that was one of the reasons um, I was interested in writing this. So you have in, in the book you have plants that have black flowers and plants that have black other parts, leaves and black stems, and you mentioned foliage, and I I think that more and more people are interested in foliage because it lasts so much longer than the flowers. But I, I think because we're just about at Halloween, perhaps the best plant to talk about first is the taka, the bat flower. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The bat flower, which is an, uh, um, a plant native to Thailand, and it has um, it grows on cliffs. It has the most unusual flower, I think, of probably almost any flower in the in the vegetable kingdom. It's got um, three flowers clustered around a large bract, and then whiskers that come out of the flower. And so it's also known as cat's whiskers, and it's um, it's kind of a spooky flower. <laughs> how long are, how long are those whiskery things? Would you say? Oh, they sometimes they're up to six inches long. And the flowers uh, about how wide? It's about four inches wide. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to yeah. explain even, but it's especially on the radio, you know. Uh, but I mm-hmm. I think that's about the eeriest flower I've ever seen. But it, there is a white version, as you know, and that's kind of uh, the angel version of the devil bat flower, I think, and a beautiful <laughs> flower. That's funny, that sounds good. Well, we all know plants like black mondo grass, and uh, if you live in places warmer than Zone 7 and warmer, you can grow black mondo grass. I can't here in Zone 6. But there's so many plants in the book that you can grow, even if they're tender plants, like that black pearl ornamental pepper, which which we see more and more in nurseries and garden centers in the spring and is really easy to grow, don't you think? Oh, it's really easy to grow, and it's a gorgeous plant. And I think that um, it's really appealing to people, too, because of the um, idea that it's edible, but also because it's got beautiful foliage and then those glossy black peppers. I, I didn't know you could eat it. Oh, you can. I don't know that it's a, a real high-quality pepper. Is it a hot, hot um, pepper? I think it's moderately hot. Um, I have a, a friend that grew it, and he ate them, um, I don't think he was terribly impressed with the way they tasted, but um, I don't think he re- I remember him saying that it wasn't a terribly hot pepper. But he is alive. He's alive. He's fine. Yeah. To the best of your knowledge. To the best of my knowledge, he's alive, yeah. Well, I was talking about how I couldn't grow the black mondo grass, and I have grown coprosma indoors, and it stays green for me, black cloud. Black cloud needs to be out in full hot sun to get the black shading on the leaves. I think it might be temperature, too. I don't know if, if you found that to be the case, because you probably don't get that hot in the summer. Oh, we get, we get hot. It was, it was 108 this past summer. Whoa. Um, yeah, the, the brutally hot, um, hottest in years. But, um, no, it seems like really full hot sun to get the, the blackest shading that it can get. No, so I'm not getting it because I've got it indoors a little bit. 
I put it out for the s- summer and I thought it maybe was the temperature because I've seen it be black in Berkeley, California. And I thought, oh, well, it just needs the cold, but maybe it just needs more sun. It could be that it needs more sun or it could be that it um, it doesn't like humidity, but it, it, it takes a while for the transition to happen. So maybe it just took a little bit longer um, taking it from inside to outside for it to... Um, grow black leaves. Well, coprosma is a wonderful plant if you live in the right climate for a hedge. It's, it's sort of like a boxwood with very shiny leaves, and the leaves are green, but they're tinged black on the on the tips and the edges. Yeah, and um, that, that makes a wonderful landscape shrub here. Black cloud is a, a large, kind of tiered, wide-spreading um, plant, and it makes a, um, and makes it a great hedge, and mine um, makes a great garden plant that um, really architectural too. And when you say here, you're, are you in Portland or in the Portland area? In, yeah, I'm in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Oh, sounds great. <laughs> Portland is one of the garden cities of the country. Yeah, lots of gardens here, lots of gardening. I used to have a greenhouse in on a rooftop in Soho, in New York, and for many years I grew that giant bird of paradise. I also grew the traveler's palm, but the, tell us a little bit about the giant bird of paradise. The giant bird of paradise, which um, doesn't take temperatures below about 25 degrees, but it's um, it's very different than the bird of paradise that most people think of with the orange and, and blue flowers. The giant bird of paradise, Astrolytic um, Nicolai, has purple-black flowers with, uh, with white on top of them. And on the flowers on this very large growing plant, about 25 feet tall, and kind of a fan-shaped arrangement of the leaves, the flowers pop right out of the of the center of the of the leaves, and it's very unusual. It's a very very beautiful architectural, almost palm-like plant in places that it can be grown. And that flower is gigantic too, isn't it? Oh, it's almost a foot long and and maybe um, 10 inches tall. Well, another plant that I've grown indoors with much more success is Aeonium zwartkop. Did you say pronounce that zwartkop? Zwartkop, yes, is, is um, the name. Now, I've also heard it described as, or called zwartkop, but um, zwartkop is the original Dutch name of the cultivar. It's a beautiful um, branched succulent uh, with uh, deep, glossy black rosettes of leaves at the tips of each um, of each stem, and it's a very unreal plant, but it's one of the prettiest black plants I think there is. Uh, do you know what that, what Zwartkop means? The Dutch? It means black black head, is what it means. <laughs> and that's in reference to the, to the black rosettes being at the tips of, of each um, stem. Well, I've seen a lot of people in uh, San Francisco, and even in the East Bay, and Berkeley, and even in colder places, grow that. I, I guess it's a zone nine or zone ten plant outdoors. Yeah, it's a zone nine plant. I think it's. Um, I think the temperature is much below about twenty eight degrees, hmm. and it would be fun. But um, I know it can take a little bit of frost because mine, mine and planters outside will often last till about Thanksgiving or a little bit beyond that year. Well, you have to watch out for mealybug if you try to carry it over indoors because I've grown indoors and in the winter mealybug loves it. Really? Yes. Know that, but I um, yeah, that would make sense, I guess. If uh, if you're growing this flat plant that 
it has a flat top, but as it ages, it loses its bottom leaves and it'll turn into kind of a tree. You know, it gets, I mean, it looks like a tree, uh, like a yucca or something that would lose its leaves and get a taller and taller stem. If you wanted that plant short again, uh, do you know how you might be able to root it or reduce it in size? You, well, if you, um, believe it or not, if you snap the branch off, it'll sprout rosettes right from where you've snapped the branch off. So you can't keep it um, from being leggy. It just seems like a very extreme thing to do, but you can just snap it off um, almost at the base and it'll regrow rosettes right there. It's just, uh, it seems extreme at the beginning, but it really works well. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment, and I'm going to talk about some plants that are much easier to grow. So stay with us on, on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Plants Kid Animal Repellent is a proud underwriter of Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Developed for the forestry industry over 20 years ago, no other product has been so extensively tested for long-term efficacy. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello and thank you for staying with us. It's Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show, and I'm speaking with Paul Bonine, who is the author of Black Plants, 75 Striking Choices for the Garden. And we've been talking about some tropical plants. We've been talking about greenhouse and indoor plants and plants that I can't grow <laughs> too well. But there's a, there are many plants in the book that I can grow very well. And uh, one's very easy, but one's kind of surprising. And I used to call it Cuchula. And I, I know that name's been changed. Do you know which one I'm talking about, Paul? Yes, um, Plants Black. Um, used to be called Cotula, and now it's known as Leptinella. Uh, just to be confusing. Well, I'm I'm very surprised that this New Zealand plant that I've, I actually first saw in New Zealand, and it's it looks almost like a a tiny Achillea. You know, it's got well, it's only a half inch tall. It's a, really a very small ground cover. But I I tried it outdoors for several years, and and now in the last three years, I've had it growing almost in pure gra on pure gravel, and last year it went through minus 15 degrees. Really? That is really surprising because I thought um, most New Zealand plants, I thought that their, their limit was about zero, so that's really neat that you can grow that plant. So it's a beautiful ground it's a, cover. It's a wonderful, wonderful plant. And the leaves are green, but every place that the sun touches turns black, and I think that's... A plant that should be grown more and more but i think just about one of the easiest plants and most satisfying plants in any garden are the hellebores oh yeah absolutely hellebores are fantastic and they're getting more and more fantastic as time goes on my readers have been doing amazing things with them well i remember about 10 or so years ago everybody was trying to find a slaty gray that's what the british called them the slaty gray uh, hellebores, the Orientalis hybrids, and I know in your book you, actually the cover of your book shows a black hellebore. Does that hellebore have a name? 
No, that's a seedling by um, Ernie and Marietta O'Byrne at um, Northwest Garden Nursery, and they specialize in hellebores. I think some of the best in the world, and um, they bred true black ones. They truly are black. And then um, I also grow the one that's black with the slate gray covering on the on the flowers, um, and that's one of my most favorite black flowered plants. In fact, it's just spectacular. And when it blooms in the in this, uh, early winter, it gets maybe. 60 or 70 flowers Whoa. on the entire plant. It's just loaded. Yeah, it lasts for months and months because it's cool outside. So I love love that plant. And that's got a black stem as well? Yeah, it has black stem on the flowers. Um, the, the leaves are green, regular green color leaves. I, I cut those away before it blooms, but you can just see the flowers, though. It sounds wonderful. Uh, did you say that that one had a name, or that one doesn't have a name either, the slaty gray one? No, it's just a seedling, and um, it doesn't have a specific name, but it's, um, I think I got it, well, I got it about eight years ago as Black Seedling, so that was the name that I have. I, to my knowledge, there's, um, the best way to buy the black flowered ones is as, um, as Black Seedlings, I think was the, was the way that I saw them last, which was last year. And uh, could you mention that, was that a nursery that you found the black plant at? Oh, yes, Northwest Garden Nursery it's in Eugene, Oregon, and it's run by Ernie and Marietta O'Byrne, and they do fantastic hellebores, and they have a wonderful website with lots and lots of pictures, too, of their breeding program. Wow. Well, I know that we can't exactly recommend your nursery unless uh, there are, and there are people who, are, who buy wholesale who are listening to the show, but your nursery is not open to the public, I imagine. No, it's just we're real small. We're just wholesale, and we mostly sell to places in Portland and in Seattle. Um, but we have a website with what I think is a lot of information about plants too. So we'd be happy if people go to the website and look this stuff up. And that's zeroplants.com. Zeroplants.com, yeah. And I hope that they can find black plants, seventy-five striking choices for the garden, on that website too. Yes, again. And can you... A link right on the cover. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I first saw Zero Plants when I was in Portland at different nurseries, and every one that I saw was so beautifully grown, very unusual plants, nice graphics, everything was... You're a high-class operation. I can say that easily. Oh, that's so nice of you. That's very flattering. I appreciate that a lot. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, tell me if there's any of some of your favorite black plants that I haven't mentioned that we haven't talked about yet or ones that you think that you'd like to share with people. Um, my favorite black plant is uh, one of the more obscure ones, but it's also a New Zealand plant called um, Kotahuhu, or the cultivar that's in the book is Ptosperum uh, tenuifolium county park dwarf. Hmm. And um, it's one of my favorite plants because it's a black-leaved broad-leafed evergreen, which those are, are very rare. And um, the new growth comes out bright green, and then it fades to black with, um, as it ages. So it's um, one of my favorite plants in my garden. And how hardy is it? Do you know? Um, well, it was, it was 10 degrees here last year, and it, it, it was undamaged. So it's, it's cold hardy throughout zone 8, for sure. Well, I'm going to look that up and see if I can acquire it somehow, too, because it sounds, well, it sounds unbelievable, but that's the thing about the plants in this book. They are unbelievable, and I know that uh, gardeners love bloop, 
Flowered plants, gardeners love brown flowered plants, but gardeners will kill for black flowered plants. And that's perfect for Halloween because uh, it's a time of year when we think of sinister and strange and dangerous and wonderful different plants. And there are so many in black plants, 75 striking choices for the garden, by my guest, Paul Bonine. And Paul, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us today. And I really recommend this book, especially as a Halloween gift. Thank you, Ken. That's very nice of you. I appreciate it a lot. You're welcome, and thank you for joining us. Well, I was talking with uh, Paul Bonine, who is the author of Black Plants, and uh, I think I, I'm going to make a little arrangement of some black plants, because I've got some of those plants, for a Halloween table decoration. And maybe I will have some guests over, and perhaps I will serve root stew because root stew is a favorite of my friends, and uh, it's so easy to make, and I'm happy to do it. And it's just I just gather every root that I can get at the uh, grocery store or the farmer's market or a good produce store, and especially a place that, that specializes in tropical food and tropical fruits, um, maybe a Caribbean market, and I'll get some sweet potatoes and some white potatoes and carrots and parsnips and rutabaga. And also try to get some some odder things, some more unusual things like taro, uh, which is dasheen. We grow it as an ornamental, but it's also an edible. And um, I'm going to post a real recipe, the real thing, on the Real Dirt Radio web- website, which is realdirtradio.com. So along with pictures of the black plants that I spoke to Paul about, I'm also going to have the recipe for root stew. And you cut, you peel all the vegetables, including an onion, and uh, you saute them one at a time. The onion you saute until it's really translucent. And the other vegetables I'll cut up into chunks, not cubes, but chunks, about mm, one inch by one inch, one inch squares. And I I just briefly saute those and put them all into a big stew pot on a a low fire. And uh, I add two cups of either chicken stock, or if you're a vegetarian, you could use vegetable stock, your own or canned. And I use two cans of coconut milk. I'm not using coconut cream or coconut water. And it's important that you see the differences because you don't want the sweetened cream and the milk is uh, just the coconut water is just the liquid that comes out of a coconut if you've ever had that you know that's really almost like water but the coconut milk has a little bit of dissolved and pulverized coconut in it and that just gives it a terrific flavor and later on you can add curry powder if you want to make a curry version of it I used uh, some some Asian four spice mix with that just to give it a little more unusual flavor and it's a little bit thin but I thicken it towards the end of its cooking uh, with ginger snaps and I usually use about four to six ginger snap cookies and just crumble them up and dissolve them in the liquid and they thicken the stew and also add a little sweetness and some ginger flavor and I serve that over rice with a little accoutrements, with uh, some some peanuts and garnishes of shredded sweetened coconut, uh, some raisins, uh, golden raisins, and 
black raisins, and you you just put those out in little bowls so people can help themselves and sprinkle that over the root stew and over some jasmine rice or some basmati rice. And that's just, it's a terrific autumn dish, and it's great in the winter too. And of course, you can make it all through the winter because these are the times that the root vegetables are all coming in. And, uh, oh, I might sneak in a couple of fruits in there, like a butternut squash. Who can resist butternut squash? But I will post the recipe at the Real Dirt Radio website, the complete recipe. So if I've forgotten anything, you'll find it there. And I don't know what that might be, but, you know, it's it's best to to have the recipe. It only takes about an hour, including all the prep time. And it's great the next day or even a couple of days later, but I... I have to admit, I reheat it in the microwave because the roots start to break up, and I don't want them to be mashed. I I carefully fold the stew so I don't break up the chunks, and it's, of course, more delicious the next day or the day after, but you can still have it right within an hour that first day. So it's the kind of thing that you can have these roots around and just ready for some time when you want to put together something fairly quickly, even for... Well, the recipe feeds 10 people, or at least has probably a dozen servings. So do check out the website. Check out kendrews.com, K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E.com also, and the Real Dirt Radio website. And I will see you next week on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Real Dirt.